Welcome, everybody, to the Resilient Leadership Podcast. My name is Bridget Tyre, and as always, our goal is to provide you with topics and content that help you to lead with a greater sense of calm, clarity, and conviction, even in anxious times. And I'm joined by my wonderful partner and collaborator, Irvin Nugent. Irvin, how's life treating you today? I am doing well, Bridget. Thanks so much for asking. As we record this, we're just in the final weeks of December and all the craziness that goes with that. But uh, I love this season. I love the winter season. There's a, a, a part of this that invites me into deeper reflection. And, and I love that there's a darkness and a mystery around the darkness. So mm-hmm. I'm enjoying I'm enjoying this season and this time. How about yourself? How are you? Good. And it's interesting, as you're saying that, the word that came to mind is hibernate, right? Mm, so yep. I think it's a time to do a little bit of hibernating, you know, just kind of shutting down a bit and thinking and reflecting, like you said, sitting by the fire, uh, recalibrating all that good stuff. I love it. So Bridget, uh, tell us a little bit more. What are we going to talk about today? All right. Well, what is on tap is uh, courageous conversations. Ooh, love it. And, uh, you know, these are those conversations we all have to have from time to time, but the very thought of having them produces anxiety, maybe even fear deep within mm-hmm. us, right? And, mm-hmm. uh, and consequently, we often put them off. Mm-hmm. So I would invite our listeners to be thinking about right now, like, what's a conversation you've been putting off because... Just thinking about having it makes you anxious. Mm. You know, is it a conversation with your spouse or another family member? Uh, maybe it's, it's at work. It's with your boss. It's with an underperformer. It's with a colleague, right? And we're going to be talking about, you know, what are some tips for leaning into these conversations? And we're going to explore three specific, I think, pretty difficult conversations to have and end with a great practice. But before we get into all of that, okay, so Irvin, I'm curious because, you know, we live long enough on this planet. We've all had these courageous Mm -hmm. conversations. And last episode, you talked about how courage and fear Mm. go in tandem, right? You can't have one without the other. And so is there, can you recall a conversation that where you, you had to push through your fear to have it? Yeah, you know, as I was, as I think about this, and there's one that comes to mind. I think, um, you know, some of our listeners may be aware, others are not, that the first part of my career, um, I actually was a Catholic priest uh, for ten years, and I was in ministry for ten years, and made the very difficult decision to transition out of that. When I joined the priesthood, my mother was very enthusiastic, and and was the 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 cheerleader, and so when I transitioned out, I was terrified with that conversation. And I put that conversation off with my mother for so long because, and I think it wasn't, it was a fear. I think the primary fear was of disappointing of in some way, not living up to her ideal. And there was a fear of what would I do with her reaction? And I had created all of these stories and all of these situations in my mind and I can remember, you know, the day, the time we went for a coffee and, and I was just, I was, I was a wreck. I was just mm-hmm. thinking about it and, and what would I do? What would I say? And, 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 you know, uh, it, it turned into such a beautiful conversation oh. and really, you know, it went to 
remind me that at times so much of what we think will happen doesn't. And, and you know, ultimately, you know, it wasn't that she wasn't disappointed. She was. But ultimately, she said, you know, for me, what's more important is you being happy. And she said, that's always been the case. Mm. So, you know, um, so that was a, a conversation that of, of real deep emotional meaning for me and one that just had a lot of fear around it. Oh, boy, I can imagine. And I, is your mom still alive today? Or she is not. No, mom passed. So she did about, uh, oh, good uh, 14 years ago. Yeah. Well, what a great mom, you know, yeah. because oh, what I mean, you got from that was that her love for you was far surpassed any disappointment she might have about your choices, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's awesome. What a beautiful story. Yeah. So Bridget, how about you? Uh, what comes to mind when you think of this topic of a courageous conversation? Well, I can think of one. Now, this is going to be you know, quite different from what you just shared because it's a work-related one. But mm-hmm. I do recall in the moment, and by the way, I didn't know what was going to happen. Mm. So it provoked a lot of fear in the moment. So what happened is I had a retainer agreement with a client. This is a long time ago. I want to say like a decade ago. I still remember it like it was yesterday. Mm-hmm. And it was a very nice retainer agreement. I had worked hard to get it. And it was an important piece of my, you know, my portfolio mm-hmm. uh, of work. And it began with an organizational audit or assessment where I interviewed all these people in the organization and put together a report for the CEO. I was going to coach the CEO and some of his team and do some other things. Okay, that's the context. So I am sitting in his office and we are going to debrief the report I gave him. And we're also going to have a coaching session. Well, things do not go as planned because he is pissed off. Mm. He read the report and he starts telling me why basically he thinks it's full of shit, <laughs> you know, mm. to, yeah. use it, to speak bluntly, because that's actually what he said to me. Not so much that I was, but the people who were saying these things, who were his employees, right? Yeah. And he, you know, he was, he'd been triggered, right? Yeah. And I could see that it was going to be real hard to get to a place where we could even coach, right? So I tried to transition it into, okay, let's talk about you. Let's talk about what you want to do as the leader here. And he also began to resist that and basically say, it isn't my problem. It's their problem. You know, I'm not the problem. They are. And I just realized, I remember, oh my gosh, I have to let go of this work. I have Mm -hmm. to say goodbye to this retainer. I can't help this person. They don't want to grow as a leader. Mm-hmm. And I had to, I had to say goodbye to it in the moment and gather my courage to say to him what I said, which is, you know what I just realized, and this is totally fine. This is your prerogative. You don't want to work on being a better leader. You've been around the block many times. You feel that your leadership is sufficient, but I'm a leadership coach. And what I do is help people grow and develop as leaders, regardless of where they are in their careers. And so I don't think I'm the person to work with you. Mm. And I start to gather my things to leave his office. And I got up and all of a sudden he goes, wait, 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 where are you going? Like, you know, sit back down. And I, and I sat down and, and he said, wait, wait, let's, let's, let's rewind this for a second. And to make a long story short, we did end up going through with the engagement. 
But I recall feeling in that moment a great fear that I was about to lose one of the best pieces of business, Mm -hmm. you know, that I had secured. Mm -hmm. It took a lot to find my voice and, and say what I said. So, yeah, that that was one that sticks in my mind. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So very different stories for us, but both, both we had to overcome fear. Yes, very much so. You know? Yeah. And it was palpable for both of us. Very much so. Yeah. All right. So our listeners are probably imagining their own courageous conversations, maybe thinking about the one they've yet to have that they need to lean into. So Irvin, let's, let's start sharing with folks some tips for how mm-hmm. we, how do we push past the fears and how do we have these conversations? How do, how do we have them? Well, but first we have to like get over the fear, right? So what, anyways, what are some tips that you think have been helpful? Yeah, it's a great question. So I'd say like one tip that I think is very helpful is to, you know, really get clear on how you want to show up in the conversation. And this is irrespective of how the other person might react. You know, when you think about it, when you think about as you prepare for these conversations, so often we're, we're all are focused. Like, I mean, my, my mother, all of my anxiety was about how is this person going to react yeah. in the moment to what I'm sharing? I, I very little focus on myself. Yeah. And so we put all this energy into the other person. How are they going to act? How are they going to react to what we say? And I think we don't put enough attention into how are we going to show up? You know, how are we going to define ourselves? So therefore, I think, you know, a really basic question to ask ourselves, you know, in this upcoming conversation, um, how do I want to show up? Do I want to be calm? Do I want to bring clarity? Do I want to be centered in this conversation? And I think once we become clear about what we're bringing in, I, I think that that really influenced the presence as we begin that conversation, which is so critical, so critical. Mm -hmm. And then I think another important step would be is to get clear on, on where you stand and why, you know? So, so as you, so kind of that first one is about what presence am I bringing in? How am I, am I showing up? And the second is, you know, what am I standing on? What, what do I want to talk about? Why is it important for me? And do I understand that? And really, you know, that that really brings a lot of clarity because sometimes, you know, we're we're kind of messy in our motives and messy in, in what we're thinking about this. And I think really just taking time, why is this conversation important to me? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and what are the values about this conversation? And, you know, why am I taking a stand here and not? And, and, you know, sometimes that may need a little help from another person. So sometimes, you know, with these conversations, it can be really nice to have a coach or a confidant and just to go back and forth and say, I'm thinking of this conversation and go back, well, why are you, why is that important? Mm-hmm. You know, what, mm-hmm. What's some of the values there? And I think what's important about both of those things is that it's really talking. We've we mentioned this before in quite a few episodes. It's really focusing on your own functioning. Mm-hmm. And it's really about how I'm showing up and how I'm going to, to function. And now that's not to say that we shouldn't be concerned about the other person's emotions. We, we want to come there with, with empathy, with understanding and respect. We want the other person to know that we're listening to them. But the starting point is different here. The starting point is not over concern about what might happen, might not happen, their reaction. The starting point here is really how am I going to show up? How am I going to mm-hmm. function? Yeah, I love that, Irvin. 
And as you were talking about, you know, getting clear on where you stand and what are the values at stake, I was thinking back to that conversation I mentioned. And in the moment, you know, when I, when I began to think to myself, I need to let this piece of business go, mm. you know, the value where I stood there was I want to do meaningful work that makes yeah. a difference, right? I don't want to just go through the motions. Yeah. 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 It's so easy to get caught up in worrying about the other too much, right? Yeah. I mean, we all do that. Yeah. yeah. So I want to piggyback on what you said, because the getting clear part is so essential. Mm. First about like, where do we stand and what do we think and what are our values and what do we believe? But then getting clear also on our purpose for the conversation. <laughs> What's the desired outcome? I mean, for the sake of what are you mm. going to enter into this very challenging and perhaps risky conversation? Yeah. And that purpose needs to include both people, right? Mm-hmm. Like, in other words, I remember one time asking somebody, he was really ticked off and he was going to have to have this difficult conversation with somebody that he worked with that was kind of like a partner. Anyways, he was very angry. And I said, so what, what's the purpose? What's the desired outcome? And he's like, I just want to tell him what a, you know, what a jerk he is, you know? And I kind of chuckled at that. And I'm like, well, yes. And what else? Because that alone <laughs> is not a, a purpose that's going to carry you through to a conversation with a real successful outcome, right? Mm-hmm. So that's important. I think the other thing, Irvin, one other tip maybe we could share with listeners is this notion of thinking a little bit ahead of time about how you might get triggered, right? Because in these kinds of conversations that do take courage, if we take a few minutes to think about, well, what might the other person say or do that would trigger me, that would throw me off course, that would get my amygdala fired up, and I'm in the threat response. And imagining that and seeing ourselves bring calmness to that triggering point in the conversation, I think can help us to prepare for it well and lean into it. Well, yeah. So those are those are some things that came to my mind. Now, from a neuroscience point of view, Irvin, what could you share with listeners about what goes on in conversations with regards to our brains? Because I think that is also a piece of this, right? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think for this question, I'd turn to a, just a fantastic book. And if listeners haven't read it, uh, I'd certainly put it on the list of ones that uh, you might find interesting. And it's by a person called Judith Glazer, and it's called Conversational Intelligence. And she goes into you know, a whole dynamics of conversation. But you know, there's part of that where she talks about the, the neuroscience and really the power of conversations um, to shape our brains that many times we're unaware of. And so what she talks around is, you know, the conversations, yes, they are about sharing information, but at a deeper level, conversations have the power to, and we've just talked about this, to trigger physical and emotional changes in us. And so the brain will prepare us either to open up, to have um, healthy, trusting conversations, or uh, shut us down. And we're going to speak from fear or caution or a little bit of anxiety. So, you know, here's how it works. I know as we communicate, our brains uh, have a whole triggering of neurochemical cocktails that make us feel either good or make us feel bad. So, and of course, that is happening 
And we're not even consciously aware that it's happening, but it's happening there. And of course, that's interacting with how we're showing up. It's interacting with the words we use. It's interacting with the sentences we use. It's interacting with the stories that we have with our body language. Mm -hmm. And so what we know is the conversations that we're in that are feeling good, that are good conversations, there's a higher presence of dopamine and oxytocin, which is the bonding neurochemical endorphins. And, 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 and so it just increases our sense of well-being. And then, you know, conversations that don't feel good, they have higher levels of cortisol and adrenaline. So, you know, as we're engaging in conversations in the background, whether we like it or not, are all of these chemicals in our brains that has been activated, not only with us, but in the other person as well. And they are influencing that conversation. You know, just think about it. Think about a conversation you've had that was just easy. It just was wonderful and your share, you know, there, it's more than just the words. You actually, you know, you think about it, you know, and the next time, maybe a challenge for this, next time you're in a really good conversation, just stop there and, and notice how good it feels in your body. Mm-hmm. You know, your body just feels great. There's energy there. You feel kind of warmth and, and all of that is, is part of, of this dynamic that is going on. And then likewise as well with conversations that don't feel great. So it's, it's important to kind of really understand and kind of that that background and that neuroscience background. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Bridget, have you well, kind of when you think about your own experience, you know, what kind of conversations have you noticed that produce uh, oxytocin and a great openness and trust? Yeah, I think this is what I found most helpful about her research is that they were able to actually identify the conversational behaviors mm. that turn on those chemicals, the yeah. positive staying connected chemicals in our brains and in the other person's brain. And it's not surprising things like really listening, you know, listening to understand the other person. We know when we're really being listened to and when we're not. It's being curious and asking questions from a curious place. Mm. It is being transparent and honest and saying what you actually really think, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think also it's, it's things like admitting when you're wrong, mm. you know, or, or owning your part in things, right? So we're talking about courageous conversations and, and they can't always feel good every moment of the conversation. But what we can work on is the behaviors that will allow us to stay connected, yep. right, in that difficult space. And those are things that we can do even in a courageous, difficult conversation. We can listen. You know, we can be curious. We can notice the other. We can say what's really on our mind and we can admit our role in things. Mm. Right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So now to me, that's so helpful because it's very concrete. And then on the opposite side of that, we've all been in conversations where it goes south and it goes from feeling at least connected to disconnect it. Yeah. And Irvin, what are the behaviors you've seen in conversation that, that produce cortisol? Yeah, well, I, I think, you know, kind of taking some of the things you said and actually going the opposite way is a good start. You know, behaviors such as interruption. So like uh, somebody either shuts another person down or they, they're interrupting that person. And of course, the feeling there is I, I have no space to to share what I want to, to say or I, I'm not being respected. You know, people who are demonstrative and, and, and what I say is factual and there is zero curiosity. There is no openness to even consider that they're 
might be an alternative. You know, listening to respond. And, you know, we, we do this even, um, we, we can think, you know, we're great listeners, but at times it's so hard to get away from this listening to respond so that the person is talking and already in our mind, we are rehearsing what we're going to say. And of course, as soon as we go there, we're not really listening. I've also been in meetings where people, it's far too polite. People don't have the mm. conversations they need to have, and they're not really saying what they need to say or what they think. And then the other one is, is what I would just say, an incongruency. And what I mean by that is we're saying one thing and our body is saying something totally different. And in that, you know, people are looking at that and people will believe your body before they believe your words. Yeah. And all of a sudden alarms going off and saying something's off here and this person's not really saying what they think or, or what they're saying is, is just not true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the body never lies, right? Absolutely. So that's yeah. that's why we pay more attention to the body than the words. Yeah. 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 So so it's interesting. She used a term, I'm just remembering this now, co-regulation. Mm. That when we sit in conversations, we are together regulating one another's nervous systems. Yeah. Right. And I find that fascinating. And so that's really helpful to remember because in these courageous conversations there is a tendency for them to go south, right? Because you're bringing your own concerns to the conversation. And as you begin to share those, you perhaps trigger the other person's amygdala. So staying connected. In fact, I want to go back to the three ingredients of a resilient leader that we've talked about in a previous episode, actually in several, right? Which is Mm -hmm. stay calm, stay connected, and stay the course. And if you show up like that in these courageous conversations, they will go better. There's no guarantee, but they will go better. And everything we've just talked about goes a long way towards the staying connected part, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, totally. And that that ability to stay connected is so critically important. Yeah. So Irvin, I want to I want to talk about three specific conversations Mm. that I think leaders struggle with. And when you think about it as a leader, unless you're the CEO and there's nobody above you, like a board, you have to have challenging conversations in three directions, right? Yep. Upwards with your own boss or your board or whomever sideways with your peers, downways with your own direct reports. Mm -hmm. And my experience when I'm coaching leaders, uh, one of the conversations that, and this is interesting, that strikes discomfort and maybe even fear in leaders is having to address a performance improvement issue, the direct Mm. report. Now, why would this be, you know, so challenging and require courage? I mean, isn't that part of a a manager's job, right? It's kind of like no big deal. And yet it is a big deal some of the time. Do you find that to be the case, Irvin? Absolutely. Yes. I I have coached leaders who have worried and fretted over this conversation and and replayed at times and 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 worried about something they can say that'll get the other person going. And and yes, absolutely. And put it off because of that, right? And so like what's really going on there is, you know, a number of things. Like maybe you're too close to this person. Maybe that person you have a very friendly relationship with. You go back many, many years, you know, maybe your families know each other, you know, and it's like the very thought of telling this person that they aren't hitting the mark is deeply uncomfortable, right? Or to your point, like 
they play out in their minds. Like if I tell them this, I know what's going to happen. They're either going to a cry. I don't know what yep. to do with that or B get yep. so angry and defensive. And I don't know how to handle that. Right. Yep. yep. So, you know, those are the fears, some of them. And we do have to gather our courage because at the end of the day, the most fair thing that we can do is have that conversation because nobody can hit a mark that they don't know they're missing. Mm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So Irvin, do you, does any example specifically come to mind of, of somebody you've helped have this conversation? You know, there's, there's one that comes to mind off a chronic underperformer. And I would say that the, the supervisor, the boss in this case just felt, you know, they'd reached, you know, well, what can I do? There's not, so they kind of, there was a resignation and, and that was an excuse really for not having the conversation. And it was interesting. So just one of the conversations we had was very interesting. And I think it changed how he viewed that conversation. I said, this person that you need to have this conversation with, their behavior is obviously impacting you. Is that correct? Yes. I said, you think it's impacting anyone else? Oh, yeah. Other people. It's impacting everyone. And I said, do you think that they would appreciate you having this conversation as well? And then he was like, oh. And I said, you know, I think maybe you're putting this conversation off because of how you think um, the other person might react or if you think it might have no impact. But I said, what if it does have an impact? Can you think of the wider impact in the organization through the system? And that was really meaningful for him. And he said, you know, I think I need to have this conversation. Mm, That is great. And, you know, at the end, we're going to share in our practice kind of a framework for having this kind mm. of conversation, because I think yeah. that that can be useful. But just what you said there is so helpful that sometimes we have to step back. You know, when we're anxious, we get that kind of tunnel vision up focus where yeah. we're like so enmeshed in it. And yeah. what you did there is help him step back and see the broader implications. Yeah you know, for, for this, that's, that's really great. Mm. Okay. So, you know, let's talk about conversations that we might have to have with peers. Yeah. Because I think that's another area that sometimes requires courage. Yeah. You know, it's an interesting because there, I mean, in the first one and in the third one, there's clarity around responsibility. I have a responsibility to do this, but people are a little bit reticent when it's, well, I, I have no place to say anything to my peer. I mean, you right. know, it, I'm equal to them. It's why would I get involved? It's a way of, of, of course, deflecting what can really be a very important conversation because, you know, in any shared responsibility we have, we are accountable to each other. And that's important. And what we know about thriving workplaces is that people hold each other accountable. And so I have seen this where where either a peer is being disruptive in a meeting. I actually have sat through meetings where I have seen a peer be very aggressive and shut down conversations. And I've seen the impact on the person that they shut down. Basically, they literally withdrew from that meeting. And, you know, I remember, and I was coaching this person and, and, and I remember saying, you know, what's the impact of your voice being lost? Your, your, your voice is being lost in this conversation. And I said, that's costing the organization. And so, and I think, you know, they, they were able then to come around and say, no, you're, you're right. I need to, in some way, kind of create in this stage, create a boundary and create to say, you know, you've overstepped. And I think that's, 
I think, Bridget, that can be the fear. There's a fear of conflict. Yes. And it's like, you know, and really, you know, well, conflict's inevitable. This is, you know, if you're going to be on a team with other peers and you have different ideas, there is going to be conflict. And that's just part of functioning. And I think avoiding a conversation because it might cause conflict is, is something that happens, especially with peers. And I think, you know, she was able to kind of really stand up and say, excuse me, no. Actually, I have something to say here, and I think it improved the dynamics of the team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a tough one because, to your point, who am I to give this peer yeah. feedback? Or right, like we don't feel that it's our entitlement sometimes, yes. right? Yes. But I love how you said it, which is that if you're going to be on a team, there's going to be conflict, and we have to to thrive. We have to hold each other accountable. We have to have these conversations, you know. Yeah. So my thought is, there's a couple of things I think can help us to enter into these conversations with peers. One is ask permission Mm. because to your point, we're not necessarily expecting our peers to confront us with this kind of stuff. Right. So, you you know, you say to somebody, Hey, you know, I, I've noticed something. I've observed something that I think is getting in our way or somehow, you know, causing some, some challenge. And I'm wondering if you would be open to me sharing that with you. Yeah. And nine times out of 10, the person's going to say, sure, right? Yeah. But somehow granting you permission opens the listening. And then I think the other tip we can share with listeners is to assume positive intent and mm. to express that. You know, nobody, nobody wakes up in the morning and says, I'm going to ruin everyone's day and be a real jerk at this meeting. Yeah. I can't wait to shut somebody down. Yeah. yeah. Th- those aren't our intentions. Yeah. And so speaking to that, I'm sure this wasn't your intention. And here's how it impacted me. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's such an important conversation. It does mm. require courage because of what you said, which is there's conflict at the root of it. Yes. And conflict makes us anxious. Absolutely. Yeah. A lot of us will do anything to avoid it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that leaves us then to the third conversation, Bridget, which is another difficult conversation. And that's that upward conversation to your boss. So what are some thoughts you have around that conversation? Well, that's a doozy. And I do hear about that a lot in coaching. Mm. Um, I bet you do too, Irving. Yeah, where, oh, totally. Yes. You know, what just ends up happening is that our our boss, our manager, our supervisor is doing something that's really frustrating for us. Or undermining us or, you know, getting in our way or getting in the team's way or whatever the case may be. And we'll grumble about it and we'll often talk to other people about it. The idea of having a conversation directly with our boss. Now, this is where anxiety really spikes because that person is in charge of our paycheck. (laughs) You know, that person has a lot to do with our job security and our promotional opportunities. So there is a risk there, and we have to be honest about that. And yet, I think there's also a great opportunity to enter into that conversation, again, using the tips around asking permission, Yep. all right? Don't just foist it on your boss, but just say, hey, you know, I've observed something that I think might be keeping me from doing my best work, and I'm just curious if you'd be open to me sharing that with you, Mm -hmm. right? And then again, assuming positive intent mm-hmm. goes a long way. What do you think, Urban? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And you know, this can be, 
It can be something, you know, there's one that I noticed a few weeks ago with a client and I was talking about it and it actually came from, so the boss was do, was trying to give a reward, or at least they thought they were giving a reward. And so basically it had happened that there'd been a lot of work and and people were very stressed and, and my client has been doing a stellar job. And so their boss decided that they would take away some responsibilities as the reward. And my my client was very upset. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want that. I, I want to do this. And then then they were getting into this game. Well, I kind of have that conversation because like the person's giving us a reward and it'll be like an insult and this, that, and the other. And, and so we kind of, again, that churning that goes on. And I said, look, I, I said, assume positive intent, which, which clearly this was. However, they just didn't get it right in this case. And so they had a, they had a conversation with the boss, and they just said, "Look," they said, "I just want to have a talk about about this," and and it really turned into a really nice conversation. Mm. But that initial, that putting it off, and 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 how, where do I go? All of that angst, that that anxiety around it was was present there, and at times it is. And I think I think you know, with the positive intent, and then just having a conversation, and really you know, coming from this is this is where I am. This is this is not about you. It's about the impact of me. And this is something you couldn't have known about. And I just think if I can share this with you, I think you'll have a better understanding of what's driving me, a better understanding of what motivates me. And I just I think this will be really useful for our relationship. That's a great example. It does require courage. And I'm curious, Irvin, how many clients do you think, like as a percentage, mm. actually are willing to have these kinds of conversations? On occasion, with a boss. Wow. If I had to put a guess, I would say we're down about 25%. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so this is a place that requires great maturity and skillfulness yeah. and resilience, right? Yeah. And so if we work on being self-differentiated, which we've talked yeah. about, right? And really bringing self-awareness, self-definition, self-regulation to our own behavior. Then we can enter into these conversations skillfully and it really benefits our leaders. Yeah. But it's a work in progress, right? Oh, totally. Yes. And and every time there still is that angst around it, but incredible. But I, I think as well... Those that are able to have the courage, I think it really impacts them in such a wonderful way. It, it, I, I think it really expands their ability to be a leader and, and expands their self-confidence. Um, so I, I think it is an important, an important skill that we develop. I agree. And so to our listeners, if there's a conversation you've been thinking about or are considering having with your boss, we really encourage you have it. Plan well and take into consideration all the tips we've just mentioned Mm. and then have it. And if you do, let us know how it goes. Oh, yeah. Very important. So, Bridget, we always end each episode with a practice. So I'll hand over to you. What do you think would be a good practice for this episode? A long time ago, I came across an acronym, a DISC, D-I-S-C, that is a framework for having these conversations, particularly with an underperforming employee. You could use it really as a framework for any conversation, but let's focus it on that. Because I think that, you know, yes, our fears get in the way, but sometimes we actually don't know how to have the conversation. We're like, I don't even know where to start, right? So this gives you a template, a map, all right? So each letter stands for uh, a part of the conversation, D-I-S-C. Now, before you start with D, 
which is describe the gap between what they're doing and what is desired or expected, you do have to start the conversation on a note that clearly telegraphs you're on the same team with them, that you're committed to their success. And that's why you're having this conversation, right? In other words, I'm a friend, not a foe. And whatever you say there has to be genuine or they'll see right through it. But it's really important to establish that you are sharing this for the sake of their success. All right. So that's that's how you start. Now, D, describe the impact. And you just very clearly and very straightforwardly tell the person and describe behaviorally what that gap is. What are they doing and what is it that you expect them to be doing or hope to see them do? And you lay it out succinctly and clearly, right? So that's D. I is then really important because you also have to speak to the impact that gap is having on them, on others. Remember, Irvin, the example you gave where you asked that person, well, what's the impact? Is this, mm-hmm. is this behavior impacting the team? And he goes, oh, yeah. You see, a lot of times the person who's underperforming or not hitting the mark does not really see the impact. And we have to spell it out. How is it impacting them, their team, you, right? Okay. And then we stop talking and we ask a question. And that's S. S is solicit their point of view. You've told them what the gap is and what the impact is. And so you say, I'm curious, what are your thoughts about what I've shared? And, you know, what's getting in your way? And you let them talk. And you ask some clarifying questions. And you engage with them with deep listening to really get clear about what is actually going on and what's getting in their way. And then you end with C. And C is a commitment, choosing of a next step, right? So you can look at C as commit or C as choose a next step. Too often we end these conversations with, okay, um, so yeah, great. Why don't you work on that? <laughs> you know, And it just leaves it dangling. Yeah, yeah. Instead, it's like, hey, you know what? Why don't you and I plan to check in every two weeks for a bit mm. and see how this is going? I want to be a resource to you, right? So that, I think, is a missing piece. That C part is often not tied up well. So yeah. that's this. Yeah. So, Irvin, that's my practical. I love that. I love this, the practical steps. And I think it also, what, what I love about it as well, it actually ties into something we've begun with, which is your own functioning. So begin with your own functioning, begin with yourself. And kind of a lot of this really helps you begin with that area in mind, which so often we don't, we put all our energy, of course, into the other person. So thanks for that. I think that's a wonderful way of remembering and giving us a process actually, as we prepare. So this has been a great conversation, Bridget. It's uh, evoked many memories in me of conversations and also I think really got to the core of so many struggles that we hear in in our coaching sessions with people who want to have these conversations, know they have to happen and yet struggle with them. And and hopefully the episode today has given people some uh, practical ideas and, and how to approach these conversations. Thank you for listening, everyone. This is certainly a topic I am sure that colleagues and friends would probably love to hear because this issue impacts 
every person. If you're a human and you're breathing, <laughs> there are conversations that are difficult and that we struggle with. So please feel free to share this episode and spread the word on this podcast. This is really the core of what we're trying to do is really to help people with areas in their life that are, are anxious and, and how they can function in a more holistic way. I want to say that the next episode, which we're looking forward to, is, is all about stepping into your power. We're going to be airing this in the new year. So I think it's a good way. 2023, step into your power. So Bridget, thank okay. you for an amazing conversation today. I look forward to seeing you in the next episode. And everyone um, have a, a wonderful two weeks. And, and hopefully the words of wisdom today will help you have perhaps a courageous conversation over the holiday period. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, Irvin. Okay, bye-bye now.